Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. Solomon's name is derived from the Hebrew word shalom. Any of you ever heard the word shalom? And now we're saying Solomon. It's derived from the Hebrew word shalom, which means peace. You could say that Solomon was Israel's king of peace. So take a look at the big picture here. Hiram loved Israel, and so the king of Israel gave him great blessing back because of peace. And love. Oh, isn't that great? First Kings 5 and 13. Then King Solomon raised up a labor force out of all Israel, and the labor force was 30,000 men. And he sent them to Lebanon, 10,000 a month in shifts. They were one month in Lebanon and two months at home. Adoniram was in charge of the labor force. Solomon had 70,000 who carried burdens and 80,000 who quarried stone in the mountains, besides 3,300 from the chiefs of Solomon's deputies who supervised the people who labored in the work. And the king commanded them to quarry large stones, costly stones, and hewn stones to lay the foundation of the temple. So Solomon's builders, Hiram's builders, and the Gebulites queried them, and they prepared timber and stones to build the temple. Okay, now this big labor system, this labor, it was like a draft. They they were drafted into service, kind of like a, a military draft. He pulled these guys into, into service. It's, it's very interesting, this system that Solomon put in place here, because at the time that he implemented the draft, it worked out pretty well. But eventually, there's a lot of Israelites, they're going to get irritated by all this forced labor. Now, later on in history, we're going to see that Solomon will eventually turn away from the Lord, but the Lord would not take the kingdom away from Solomon because of David's sake. So the Lord said he would take it from Solomon's son instead. And it would be through these irritated Israelites that got sucked into this labor draft. It would be through these guys that the judgment would come because eventually they're going to get angry about being put to this labor like this, being put off in shifts, being taken away from their families, away from their homes at that certain length of time. And, you know, they would go around in these shifts and they were not liking it. And it would eventually catch up and it would become a judgment later. So we get this preview look here at this in this chapter of how Solomon set up forced labor to build the temple. But also implanted here was the judgment that would later be executed for Solomon's abandonment of God, for his backsliding. There's a twofold thing going on. We got the workers to build the temple, but there's also judgment going to brew up in place 
for when Solomon slides back. Now, we're going to catch up to that story in later chapters, but how fascinating that the Lord knows how to implement things so far ahead in advance of things that haven't even happened yet. But for now, here in chapter 5, let's come back to here. God was blessing the temple construction through Solomon's labor force. It was under the supervision of Adoniram, the stone cutters. They cut out big limestone blocks out of the quarry in the hills that were up north of Jerusalem. And there was also those they contributed by preparing timber and stone along with Solomon's and Hiram's craftsmen all working together. So the temple is on its way, just as the Lord said it would be when he told David back in 2 Samuel 7 and 12. says, when your days are fulfilled, and you rest with your fathers. I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So this building of the temple was in line with the Davidic covenant that God promised to bring Messiah Jesus through David's line. It was going to be an eternal kingdom. It's going to be ruled forever. That's the Davidic covenant that leads to Jesus Christ. Because there can only be one person that can reign on any throne forever. Nobody has the ability to live forever and reign like that except Jesus Christ. I mean, at this point here in chapter 5, David was dead. Saul was certainly long since gone because he ruled. He was older than David. He ruled before David's time. And Solomon is going to be dead by chapter 12, 1 Kings uh, chapter 12. So there's only one king that can possibly fulfill this covenant, and that would be our Messiah, King Jesus. Amen. Now, that's what this whole covenant here is about, is the coming of the Lord Jesus who would save both the Jew and the Gentile, me too, I get in on this as well, and still has yet, still, there's this covenant still has yet to, pieces yet to happen. He still has yet to sit on this throne in Israel. We have yet to see that. How exciting. That's still ahead of us even today. So let's recap the chapter to see what we can dig out of it. It began with King Hiram. He simply wanted to reach out as just a friend to Israel. But what became of this outreach ended up turning into a huge, <laughs> a major blessing back to Hiram because Hiram got provision for his household out of the deal. And it came year after year after year. He got back more than what he put in. Genesis 12, 3, I want you to be reminded of this because this applies to you too. It says, I will bless the, he's speaking of Israel, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So because King Hiram blessed Israel with building supplies and material and all the wood and everything, he was blessed back by Israel. But there where it says, in you. See, I, originally when I read Genesis 12, 3, I didn't read all the way through what was after it. It says, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. That's referring to the blessing of salvation, which comes from Messiah Jesus. In you, Israel, Jesus came from Israel. And so the Lord is saying, in you, Israel, from the Messiah, King Jesus, in you, all the families will be blessed. All the families of the earth will be blessed. This is in line with the Davidic covenant that we've been reading about all this time for the Messiah to rule eternally on David's throne in Israel. And since Hiram had all the trees of Lebanon, the Lord moved Hiram 
to provide for its the temple's construction, which shows us that Lebanon's trees didn't really belong to Hiram. All the trees actually belonged to who? <laughs> they belonged to the Lord. Psalm 24 and 1. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and all those who dwell in it. So friends, since both King Hiram and the cedar trees all belong to the Lord, then the Lord was able to use Hiram right on time to help Solomon build that temple. So looking at this picture, King Hiram, all he, he just wanted to wish you know, to be a best friend of Israel, not realizing he would actually get more out of this friendship than what he could see was coming. Now, the picture I'm trying to convey to you out of this story is that if you have a genuine love for the people of Israel, then whatever you bless them with, the Lord will turn that back more than what you can possibly imagine, certainly more than what you put into it. The reason that the Lord God is able to do this is because everything in the world belongs to him to allocate as provision to whoever he chooses when he wants to. For example, my own calling, my own calling to ministry came with a love for the Jewish people. And we keep Israel, I keep Israel, the the Israelite people. In the forefront, in all my teachings, I always talk about you got to love the Jewish people, because quite frankly, there's a lot of people that claim to be believers. They claim to be under covenant with God, and they hate the Jews. It doesn't add up. Jesus is a Jew. We got to understand that. He's going to rule on Mount Zion. He's not going to rule from the United States of America. He's going to go to Israel. That's been prophesied. It's been promised to happen. And so... I want the blessing that comes from blessing Israel. I want great blessing in my life. And to get that, I have to love the Jewish people. I've got to love Israel. So, friend, if you want a blessing, and everybody seems to want a blessing. They all want to, oh, Lord, bless me, you know, like crazy. (laughs) If you want that blessing, you must first be a blessing. Hiram made the first move. Hiram extended his hand out first. If you want a blessing, You need to be a blessing. Don't just sit back and go, God, give me stuff like Santa Claus or the little genie Jesus. You rub the lamp and Jesus comes out and goes, what do you want? I'll take this, this, and this. Okay, poof, there it is. You got it. That's not how it works. If you want a blessing, you've got to first be a blessing. And like Hiram, he got back more than he could imagine. I could say this ministry here, the, the, the ministry that I'm doing, Set for Life in Calvary Chapel, Pearland in Pearland, Texas, this ministry has gotten the same thing. We're reaching out all over the world. We got an, a radio outreach ministry. We do missions. We do a lot of things. And it's incredible how much we've gotten back blessing from it because of what we've put in. And I've been to Israel many times. I love the Jewish people. I support the, the Israeli believers in Israel. I've gotten so much back. And guys, this ministry outreach and these things that's going on, I'm not smart enough to pull this kind of stuff off. I'm not this good. It has to be the Lord's blessing back for loving the Jewish people. Genesis 12, 3, jot that down. It's how you should live according to that. So look at all the great things that happened in this chapter. Hiram struck a major construction contract, got whatever wage he wanted, provision for his household, and all kinds of good stuff. And all simply because up front, 
His only agenda here was simply just to love the Jewish people, to encourage the Israelites, and to encourage King Solomon. That's how it all started. Friends, do you just, you got to have an encouragement. You know we're supposed to pray for the peace of Jerusalem? That is one of our jobs that we're supposed to do. Us Gentiles, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Jews too. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. There's all, all these nations have got it out for them. We're supposed to bless them. You want to be blessed? Bless Israel. Okay? So Hiram again, he had no idea how big of a return would become of this. So you know what this tells me? This tells me that we need to be a great encouragement to Israel and each other. Don't get caught up in those Facebook swirly things that goes around and all the social media thing that people get all to snapping at each other and chopping each other down and insulting each other. That's not encouraging. That's not loving. And it certainly is not Christ-like at all. We need to be of great encouragement to one another because we have no idea that when you encourage somebody, how big of a return you're going to get back out of it. So you know what I want to do now? I want to encourage you. And from this position where I get to teach from, I get to encourage a whole bunch of you at once because I know a lot of you are listening to me right now from all over the place, all on the radio, podcast, everywhere. And I want this return blessing. I want to bless you because I want a return blessing. So let me tell you this. Let me show you something from 2 Corinthians 4.17. says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. You know, what this is getting at is that, I mean, friends, I know you who are hearing me. Maybe some of you are having a bad day, maybe a bad month, maybe a bad year. I know you've got trouble on your mind today, but I want you to hear this today from God's Word, and I want you to leave knowing that suffering for Jesus is going to produce well beyond what your mind is capable of imagining. Our light affliction, it says, I know it seems big to, to us right now, but it's not big compared to what we have coming if we will stay faithful in Jesus Christ. So I want you to be encouraged. I want you to know that, what did, what did it say here? Let's look at it again. Second Corinthians 4.17 says, our light affliction which is just for a moment, is working for us. I know you feel like you're working for the affliction, like the trial owns you. That trial is working for you. You don't work for the trial. It's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Friends, it's so huge that the worst of our sufferings today cannot compare with what we have coming. So I ask you, and I want to encourage you, I ask you to just endure just a little bit longer, just a little bit longer. It's all going to be so worth it when we get to glory in heaven with Messiah Jesus. We have no idea just how much the Lord has waiting for us ahead. Is that not exciting? What you have in eternal life ahead in Jesus Christ, I want you to be encouraged with whatever's going on, be encouraged. I want to give that blessing to you. I'm showing you the word of God so you can be encouraged because I want blessing back. <laughs> blessing you is going to bless me. 
Now, I want us to remember how Solomon carefully crafted his words to convey his offer to Hiram in the language of a friend. He spoke to him like a friend. Solomon complimented Hiram's men. Nobody has timber skills like you Sidonians do. You are the best there is. Can you hear how the great king, the greatest king of the time, with all the authority, he had all the power, he used his words to build others up like a friend. Friends, did you know that the Lord Jesus, our great king, wants to be friends with you, and he wants to speak to you in the language of a friend. John 15, 14, Jesus said, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. So the Lord uses, he's used the language of a friend to offer a salvation. In fact, he used the same friendship language in Revelation 3 and 20. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. You know, whenever you dine with somebody, that means you're close friends. You don't go and dine with people that you're not friends with or that you don't know. If you dine with somebody, it's very intimate. It's very close. You're breaking bread together. That means you're friends. Jesus is trying to tell us the kind of relationship that he wants with you. In fact, I hope that some of you, if you ever come to my church at Calvary Chapel Pearland, after we get done with service, you'll want to go out and have lunch with me. (laughs) Let's go dine together. Let's break bread as friends, even if it's just hamburger buns, you know? (laughs) But guys, friendship shows people that you care. Friendship language will encourage people to follow. That's why I want to follow Jesus, because he speaks to me as a friend. It shows that you care because, friends, let me tell you, unloving speech never encourages anybody. Unloving, cut down, I'm the boss, you do as as I say, kind of just, you know, language. That does not inspire anybody to follow. It certainly doesn't build up any loyalty. You see, King Solomon didn't just want trees to build up his own personal project. This temple build was all about the Lord God. This is all about the Lord God. God is love. And Solomon knew that the way he communicated his intentions to King Hiram had everything to do with how King Hiram would respond back. This is a very important thing to know in our day, today, when everybody's tearing each other down. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but... What is good for necessary edification, which means building up. What is good for necessary building up, that it may impart grace to the hearer. Friends, Jesus has an offer of salvation for us. He wants to be friends with us. Friends, Jesus wants to be a friend with you. He wants to be a friend with you. That imparts grace to my hearing, to hear that. That edifies me. It builds me up just to know this, to hear these words. And so those of us who are in Jesus, we've got to speak to other people using the same language. You don't get on the internet and say argumentative things to people and cut downs. I've actually seen people argue over dumb issues and say, well, I will pray for you. 
to understand what I'm trying to tell you. And the other side says the same thing. Well, I'm going to pray for you to understand me. What? That's not talking like a friend. We got to speak to other people the same way Jesus speaks to us as a friend. Your life here on earth is not about you building up your own personal projects, but rather it should all be about the service, your service to the Lord. It's about his work. The greatest king of his day, Solomon, offered the blessings of friendship to hear him. King Jesus, the greatest king of all time, offers the blessing of friendship to you. So as we move along through 1 Kings, something we need to consider with Solomon is that a good start doesn't always mean you're going to have a good finish because he's got a good start right now. I have seen runners take off in a race who were well out in front, and they fell during the race and didn't finish at all. Solomon began the temple building, but remember in chapter 3, he had married Pharaoh's daughter to initiate a peace treaty. Solomon was not supposed to intermarry like this, and this is going to be a long fall for him as he's going to end up with over 700 wives. Now, we're going to see a picture of how Those closest to you can affect your spiritual life, so we need to be very careful of the company that we keep in our lives. And make sure you keep your trust in the Lord, the one who wants to be a friend to you, because he is a good standard to live and to to follow. And just because I was able to find it, I wanted to fit this last verse in, uh, a verse that conveys something about the cedars of Lebanon. And it compares it with the mighty strength of God. Listen to this. Psalm 29.5 says, The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon. Friends, the Lord is so powerful. His voice can bust apart trees, okay? He's very powerful. He has all the authority and has all the power. Now, he could demand, and he does command things. He's not going to command you to accept him. You can choose to reject him. I pray you don't. But I want you to understand, God is not this angry guy sitting up there with lightning bolts in his hands like a lightsaber, waiting for you to mess up just this little much so he can chop you in half and with anger and his fire in his eyes, though he does have wrath. I want you to remember The Lord God speaks his salvation offer to you in the language of a friend. The Lord God wants to be friends with you. Please get this proper perspective of him so that you can have reverence for what he offers you. I want to build you up today. I want to encourage you that if you have not accepted Messiah Jesus as Lord and Savior, that you do so today. Here's how you do it. Father God, I have sinned. I messed up. Bad. And I know I violated your law and I'm guilty and there's nothing I can do. I don't have enough to spiritual currency to pay you back. But thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross to pay my death penalty for me. And now I can be saved. I accept your gracious gift of eternal life. Jesus, your Lord now, you are the boss. I do what you say. And thank you for reaching out to me as a friend to save me. Friends, that's what a king of love does. He wants to be friends. He wants to dine with you. That's the kind of friendship he wants. Will you accept him today? I pray that you just did. Thank you for being with me here at Set for Life. And I just want you to know you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set.